true theology is the theology of the cross, which means to see God from the backside somehow. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode, we have Volker Lapine, Horace Tracy Pitkin Professor of Historical Theology, and Vasilius Marinus, Associate Professor of Christian Art and Architecture. They're discussing Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 23, which is appointed for track one of the 21st Sunday after Pentecost, proper 24, in year A. The text is read for you by Natalie Owens Pike. Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 23. Moses said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways, so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way we shall be distinct, I and your people, from every people on the face of the earth. The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have asked. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, See, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen." In uh, chapter uh, 33, God instructs uh, Moses to leave the divine mountain for the promised land, but God will not go with them, something that caused consternation to the people. Therefore, Moses intercedes, and we see here Moses' interaction with uh, God. The lection is essentially divided into two parts from verse 12 to 17, uh, where Moses, quite upset, asks God to accompany them in the journey and then the rest of the lection till verse 23, Moses requests a theophany. I think one of the important aspects of this passage is that it underscores um, Moses is a special human, is a special person. Uh, because he has found favor in the eyes of God. 
he has a personal relationship with God and that allows him to intercede and even make demands from God. He's almost annoying in this way as, as he makes demands. So it looks like being very dull to do this. On the other hand, I wonder how much he's doubting about himself, his role, God and the people. He just has experienced the events around the golden calf. So he knows he's leading role he had is questioned heavily in the moment he was absent some others took his role over and they did it in a way he was not happy about now he has to come again so he's interceding for his people but somehow he's also arguing for his own role again yes there is a lot of history before uh, this event, uh, absolutely. But I, I would characterize Moses' stone as almost accusatory in, in that he says to God, you told us to go, but why or who is coming with us or why are you not coming with us? Not how most people would talk to God. But again, he has a special relationship with God. I wonder if the other people, on the other hand, would share his demand Please show me your glory. He says something that most faithful might experience in certain situations, at least, if they get the feeling to have lost the glory of God, to have lost the nearness of God as Moses had. Then they important to know, is there really this glory? God is not in our hands. He evades our concepts, our thoughts, and so It seems like he wants to make clear, how do you look like? And is there something I can grasp with my eyes, with my brain? Yes, and this is a very nice way of connecting the two parts of this lecture together that otherwise on a superficial reading uh, seem kind of abrupt. There is this abrupt change towards a request for a theophany by Moses. So after verse uh, 13, where Moses essentially tells God that God's obligation extends to the whole people of Israel, then he asks for this, uh, for, for a vision of God's glory. And then he has it and he has it not. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting answer that God just passes him and then he can see parts of him, but just from the backside, that is also something we might relate to our all the experience we don't always see god from the bright side we see just what he has done so what sometimes has been the interpretation of this is just by his works or we can see him as christians through jesus christ this was a very strong interpretation obviously not what the text itself meant but what readers in the christian tradition founded it like Bernard of Clairvaux, the Cistercian abbot in the Middle Ages, who said, yes, we can see God only from the backside because we see him in the suffering of his son, Jesus Christ. And this was picked up later on um, with, with Martin Luther, who said the same, the, the true theology is not the theology of glory, which is not that one way, what we can see, but the true theology is the theology of The cross, which means to see God from the backside somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, quite interesting. I have never thought about it this way. Um, I really like the conclusion of this lecture 
because it's a definite statement. My face shall not be seen. <laughs> this is the um, end of discussion. And I think that uh, Eastern theologians w- would argue that Moses's presence in uh, Christ's transfiguration is where this inability to see God was remedied because there he saw God in the person of transfigured Christ. Of course, this is uh, an appropriation of uh, of this excerpt. But there is this, this version too that, uh, and, and I think Eastern theologians would definitely and always underscore this this idea that we saw God and of course, we can depict God in images and icons because we saw God in the person of Jesus. So the point you're stressing, my face shall not be seen, would be overturned by the New Testament, saying then the face is seen in Jesus Christ. That's what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and another related point here is that is why normally depiction of, of of Jesus is acceptable, but these depictions of God the Father as an old man with white hair are not, because nobody saw God the Father, but we saw Jesus, therefore this is acceptable. Or one appropriate way of representing the Trinity is the hospitality of Abraham, or even baptism, uh, the baptism of Christ, where you have God the Son as Jesus, the Holy Spirit as the Holy Dove, and then the voice of God, usually represent of the God the Father, usually represented as a hand that makes a gesture of speech. So I think there is a huge challenge in this way of reading this text as Christians as we do, because we have to be very careful about not to concentrate too much on Jesus Christ as the way to see the face of God, because this way we would claim this Hebrew Bible text only for a Christian reading, which would not be possible against the background, what we know about Hebrew Bible nowadays. So it might be a challenge and a task even to look for the ways where the face of God can be seen anyway, though also beyond Jesus Christ. No, absolutely. And uh, I don't think we are advocating this reading, but uh, we are offering it as one way to read this text or uh, one way that this text has been read traditionally uh, by Christians. Looking for other readings, which hopefully will be fruitful to give this text into our nowadays context. Thanks for listening. Remember to rate and subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you're listening and visit our website for more resources, yalebiblestudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, and I'm your host and executive producer Helena Martin, and our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from Chapter, Verse, and Season.